1: Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We're blessed to have Megan Doyle with us today. Megan is a Catholic school teacher in the Religious Studies program in John Carroll High School, located in Bel Air, Maryland. It's such a great blessing to have you today, Megan.
2: Thanks, Father Brian. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, the two topics we're going to talk about today is Megan is a great example of experiencing faith passed on in the family which is an incredible experience. And now she's also working with young people in faith and, and sharing that faith. So in this first segment, we're going to focus a little bit more about what was your experience, Megan, of, of being faith passed down in your family, and maybe tell a little bit about your background of your parents and their, their connection with the church.
2: Sure. So I am what they call a cradle Catholic, uh, and especially born and bred in the archdiocese of Baltimore. I grew up attending one of the most beautiful parishes, St. Louis Church in Clarksville, Maryland, and just very blessed and grateful to to call that my home parish growing up. But yeah, cradle Catholic. Catholic was always, being a part of that faith was always something that I was supposed to do, it felt like. It was just a natural part of my upbringing. My religion teachers in Catholic school, I was blessed to go to Catholic school. It was just something that they did. All my friends were Catholic, my family was. It just felt like something that was naturally part of my life. And it wasn't actually until high school that I started to make it really my own. I was blessed to be part of a great youth group at St. Louis and a team, a leadership team there. And then I was able to go on Habitat for Humanity work camps, things like the National Catholic Youth Conference, NCYC, even blessed to go to Sydney, Australia for World Youth Day in 2008. (laughs) Um, And so just being able to see the universal church and not just something that is something I was supposed to do, something my parents taught me, but also that this church is something that's so beautiful for my own. And then attending things like High Lie and retreats and being part of retreat teams, and going on mission trips and really becoming a leader in my faith as well. And I think attending Catholic school and being part of such a strong parish community and school community was really just helpful for my, my growth there.
1: How would you describe your experience where it started to click for you faith matters and I need to, to live it. And, and what were some experiences you had, whether it was in the youth group or other experiences? Yeah,
2: I think probably the biggest one would be World Youth Day. And I know not everybody has the opportunity sure, yeah. to go on that. We did a lot of fundraising. But to just realize that this faith is, again, not something that is just what is passed down, but something that is, you know, rich in history and tradition and beauty and something that is is cool. It's cool to be Catholic. It's a beautiful faith and that there are people, hundreds of thousands of people around the world that have devoted their life to the faith and to God and being disciples. And so really seeing other people my age alive with that faith and burning with the Holy Spirit really drew me in and wanted me to be a part of that. And then just really having real experiences of Christ in my life and being able to have people that showed me that, that said, yeah, that, that is God acting in your life and being able to recognize that for myself.
1: Give me an example of what that looked like <laughs> through, through another person. <laughs>
2: Sure. I mean, I think my family is a a huge lover of nature and of being outside outdoors and being big hikers. And so just recognizing the creator within his creation and the beauty of everything that God creates, not only humans, but a beautiful sunrise or sunset or just the peacefulness and stillness in the woods, being able to call that out and, and name it for what it is that God's present.
1: Can, can, keep speaking about that, but what does that look like? Okay, so you're hiking along. What happened? So, so a lot of parents think, or people were saying like, I want to pass that on yeah. to my family, but I don't know what to say or to, not to over or underdo it. What, what did that look like? Sure, I think just
2: part of what the faith is, you know, reason and, and faith, but the emotions associated so you pay attention to how you're feeling in those moments and when when you have this automatic feeling of peace wash over you or, or this deep sense of wonder and awe, that just like wow like it just takes your breath away like it, when you I don't know I, I equate it to, to holding a baby sometimes you just like look at this small child and you're like oh my gosh what a beautiful miracle or looking at a beautiful sunset and just feeling wow and, and just recognizing that that is in that moment God is speaking to you. And it doesn't even have to be those big, those small things. But even just like during times of of tragedy and sadness, I know my family was always, it was so natural for us to just bring up God in normal conversations, but especially when things were were going roughly. And sometimes people, I think during those times, automatically, you know, want to distance themselves from God by saying like, oh, where is God in this moment? He's not here, like he must not care. But I think my family was very natural about saying things like, oh, God is present through these people or through the community of the church who is with us in those times. And so being able to just kind of point out his presence among us.
1: Right. So it sounds like you had an experience of. Of parents and and family who were witnesses and they would talk about God and Mm -hmm. and without it pushing God, but just kind of if it's part of your life, it's just something you talk about. Mm -hmm. That's something that that every one of us can do.
2: Yeah. At at least in some way. Absolutely. And I remember as as young as probably first or second grade, my dad driving us on the way to school, he's a youth minister at St. Louis. And so would drive us every day to school and then go to work. And I remember at a very young age, him saying, if you ever feel afraid or anxious or worried, just say to yourself, Jesus, my friend, be with me. And I remember I was probably like eight years old. And I just remember, still remember that today, Jesus, my friend, be with me. And so that not only showed me kind of a way to view God as a friend, not just someone who's far off, who created and then left, but someone who was very close to us in our our pain, in our joy even. So yeah, it was just like a not part of our lives, they would ask us, you know, how did you see God today?
1: Wow, mm-hmm. wow. And those are subtle ways that anyone can mm-hmm. ask. And sometimes it takes a while to, like, learn, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. How does it see God? But if they're sharing it, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's through a sunset or through creation. Mm-hmm. It can make us more attentive that we're just okay. available to God, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a great grace. What, what, what advice would you give to parents whose maybe young people are, are not as drawn to the faith or the practice of the faith or they're like, I don't really know where I am with faith right now. What what advice would you give them or from your experience of working with young people?
2: Um, I I would say the biggest thing is to listen to them. In my experience with, with working with youth, they just want people to hear them to listen to them to listen to their experience and their thoughts because it's going to be different than yours and sometimes we get so stuck in the way that we've experienced God or we've experienced the faith and that's not always the case like we're we're all on this journey of faith and so learning and walking alongside them on that journey i mentioned earlier how i'm a, a big hiker and i've never been a i've never been on a path on a hike that's the same, a trail that's the same. They're always different. And so recognizing that in our faith journey, our paths are gonna look different, but am I your companion walking beside you? Am I gonna to listen to you and your, your struggles? Am I gonna help you find the resources? to the questions that you ask. I was blessed to have a dad who's a youth minister and a mom who's a volunteer in the church. So it was Mm -hmm. kind of easy for me, but I would also suggest helping them find people that are not you, that are not the parents, Mm -hmm. people who are gonna be good mentors or adults that are are strong in the faith that they can turn to and talk to, because sometimes, People don't want to talk to their parents. Right. As, as awesome <laughs> as mine are, sometimes there are things that you know it's it's hard to talk to your parents about. And so it's important to find those other mentors or other people that are trusted adults to to lean on and to talk to as well.
1: Right, because you would have known people like Mark Passione yeah. and, and, and mm-hmm. others where they're just kind of like part mm-hmm. of a family.
2: Yes, yeah, my little village. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, kind of <laughs> yeah, surrounded people with the
1: community, which mm-hmm. does, yeah. you know, it, where it seems like it's,
2: yeah, this is what we
1: do, this is what mm-hmm. people do. Yeah. yeah, any yeah. memories that stand out to you? Of, 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 of maybe Mark passing on these? Oh my gosh, days?
2: Mark. Uh, so I talked about World Youth Day earlier. He was one of the, I mean, at that time he was the director of youth and young adult ministry for the archdiocese. And so he went and I just remember like singing in the streets of Sydney, we're <laughs> like in the business di- district and all these like men in suits and women are, are turning their heads like, what is going on? And we're like these young Catholics just on fire with the Holy Spirit. And Mark is like waving the Maryland flag and just like <laughs> going forward and I think I think something so special about Mark is that whenever you're with him you could tell that he was really with you that he would really listen to you he was amazing at what we call ministry of presence where somebody is just sitting there just with you and you can tell that you're the most important person to them in that moment and that's something that I try to live out in my own vocation as a teacher and and youth minister as well with the young people that I serve
1: right Mm -hmm. the gift of presence Mm -hmm. less and less people have that or or even practiced in presence Mm -hmm of being present, especially with with, uh, the reality of a distracted Mm -hmm. society and that sense of where you have my complete undivided attention. I remember John Paul II stood out like that, Mm -hmm. where where just the saints had that ability of just being present, Mm -hmm. be completely present, and that's something Mm -hmm. every one of us can do. What a great blessing to have. It it is, (laughs) that's right, uh, it's it's a form of love. Mm -hmm. It's a form of love. What a great blessing having Megan Doyle with us speaking about passing on faith to children or just faith in young people. We'll be right back uh, right after this message. May God bless you.
3: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Approximately 300 people, mostly Hispanic immigrants, expressed their love and gratitude for the ministry of Baltimore Auxiliary Bishop Marquis Brennan, during a bilingual farewell Mass at Sacred Heart of Jesus, Zagrado Corazon de Jesus, in Highlandtown, August 11. Bishop Brennan, who will be installed as the ninth Bishop of the Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston, West Virginia, August 22, served in Baltimore since 2017. He was also a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington. During his homily, Bishop Brennan encouraged those who were born and raised in the United States to befriend immigrants and walk with them, noting that it would enrich the lives of both groups. He also encouraged immigrants to make friends with those born in this country for their mutual benefit. Never forget that this is your church, Bishop Brennan told immigrants. You are not guests in someone else's church. You are Catholics. You belong here. You have the right to be treated as such and take part in the parish life, in our Catholic schools, and in other ministries and contribute to their welfare. During the mass, Archbishop William E. Lori highlighted Bishop Brennan's contributions to the Archdiocese of Baltimore, including Bishop Brennan's help in expanding Hispanic ministries. You can read more on this story at catholicreview.org. In a divided country where discussions of politics and religion grows more troubling by the day, Baltimore Archbishop William E. Lori challenged his fellow members of the Knights of Columbus to be a model of civility during the 137th Supreme Convention of the Knights of Columbus in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 8th. He warned that the anger and polarization that are so much part of our culture is now finding its way into the life of the church. Anger is justified when church leaders fail to lead, fail to communicate the fullness of the faith in love, fail to help form conscience, fail to evangelize the culture, faith in integrity, and the list goes on, said Archbishop Lurie, Supreme Chaplain of the Knights of Columbus. Anger, according to Archbishop Lurie, is not righteous when its purpose is merely to defend an ideology, regardless if it's coming from the right or the left. For more on this and other stories, visit CatholicReview.org. From the Catholic Review Newsroom, I'm Kevin Parks.
4: Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at CatholicReview.org. That's CatholicReview.org. For
5: 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue, just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770.
0: You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM.
1: Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan, and we're here with Megan Doyle. Megan is a Catholic school teacher in the Religious Studies program at John Carroll High School. And we're discussing today, we're talking about passing faith on to young people and even just helping young people grow in faith. And Megan, you had that experience and why don't you share a little bit, you were sharing with me earlier about how others helped you to grow in your understanding of God.
2: Sure. So I think I would start first and foremost with my parents and helping me to see a God who is is close, who is there, not just a God that is transcendent and far away. And so a God who is a friend, who's there in in times of of joy, but also times of sorrow and pain, a God who cares and listens to all people. And I remember at a young age being on a family vacation in St. Martin in the Virgin Islands. And I remember for the first time seeing people that live differently than me. And knowing that God loves them too. and so that God is present in the needs of the poor and the marginalized. I remember seeing kids that were playing on a soccer field with no shoes on and they were you know very different than the situation that I live and'm blessed to live with in Maryland. And I remember asking my parents like, how come we are so blessed to live in the way, the way that we do? like how can people live differently? And I remember that conversation moving from that towards, all right, well what do we do with this with this? blessing that we have? How do we share that with other people that are that are different, that have greater needs? And so a father who cares and who works through the church, who works through us. My dad in, in hikes and learning to love a God who um, is a creator and to talk to him and to be very present and listen my dad's best friend was mark passione and so learning from him too to just be so compassionate and caring and to really listen to you my mom is the one of the most sacrificial people i've ever met <laughs> doing things like and you know, i mean you know leanne doing things without even like the unsung hero like doesn't even care that anybody notices but just she's a nurse and just loving people to the point of sometimes you know going against what she maybe might desire or or being just that sacrificial unconditional love of God. And so other people that are showing me how to to love God other people showing me the experience of God in different unique ways.
1: That's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that experience it is it kind of from people of faith. If it's just part of your life and it's something you share, it can it can mm-hmm. It is something that can pass on, and, and, and really, and, and something that that can be passed on. What was, you, what about your experience of you? I feel like a very young age have just a commitment to serve others, mm-hmm. and really just grounded in that. I remember you were a student at Mount Saint Mary's University, mm-hmm. and you just really stood Go out well. of someone who's like, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. I'm all in with give your life for others, and the gifts mm-hmm. given, and be a witness of social justice. Can you speak uh, more about that, and where did that come from?
2: Sure. I mean, again, I think my my family and the people that i grew up around my parish st louis i used to i remember at a very young age again being almost like dragged along to youth ministry events and like being like this 10 year old hanging out with the big kids who were doing service. And St. Louis does a program called Lunches to the Homeless. We make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, very simple. And we literally give them out on the streets of Baltimore. We walk up to people and say, hey, would you like a lunch? And I remember being really young and being exposed to that and meeting people just on the streets of Baltimore and learning that, you know, it's not their fault that they're homeless. There are other, so many other factors and situations that they're in. And it really like drew my heart in knowing that I can make a difference in some way. And so being part of a, of a parish that cares about that and a community and knowing that we need to, you know, we're all interdependent, we need to lift one another up. And so I think service really brings out so much of the faith in, in many different ways.
1: And the fact that you were invited, that sometimes we have to be, say, come with me, we're going to mm-hmm. this in order to be exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, young people can really just catch the the spark of of faith and love and, and yeah, I want to do this too, yeah. yeah.
2: Which is why service hours are such a funny thing at high schools. It's like they're good and bad, right? Because some people that might never do service ever are exposed to that and by by mandate, (laughs) like you're not going to graduate unless you do service. But then they're just so changed by that experience sometimes. The experience of helping another person, of doing something for the greater good, of seeing God even in tough situations.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. back to your experience of young people and what is your experience of young people's openness to, to growing in faith in God, sometimes the stereotype or some parents could say, oh, my 15-year-old, uh, I'm not sure how ex- excited he is to go to Bible school or or, or religious education or, or even confirmation. What would you say from your insight? You work front lines, especially with teenagers. What's your insight that you would share with others about young people's openness to faith and that it, it would be an encouraging word for them?
2: Sure. I think our culture in a lot of ways makes it seem like the faith is not is not good, is not necessary, is not full of purpose. And so trying to help them see that this is meaningful and why, sometimes I think developmentally, not only intellectually, but also faith development, that high school age is one in which they're questioning everything, They're, they're not just blindly believing things. And that's beautiful, especially in terms of faith, to not just accept for things that they are. And I think that's really frustrating for parents because sure. you are. Right? <laughs> right; It's your job. It's your your responsibility to, to help see what is right and wrong. But teenagers are, are constantly questioning. And the culture says says no often. It says that, that we are supposed to be all about ourselves, that we're not supposed to be religious, right? We're supposed to be maybe spiritual, right? Accepting of all things, all right, people, right. and that there's not enough time, right? There's all these other more important priorities. And so there's not enough time for faith. And so we're automatically kind of countercultural in that way, the Catholic faith is. And so trying to break down those walls, a lot of my students have an automatic doubt of the faith, even before they walk into my classroom are going to doubt what I'm trying to teach them. Maybe they've been hurt in the past, or they have confusion about the faith, or they've heard of things that have happened. And so really trying to break down those walls and to, to talk to them openly. I think it is so beautiful in the And I know it's different at home and I don't have teenagers. I don't even have kids yet. My husband and I, not Uh yet. But I think I come from a different... Perspective of being a teacher, so that's not only grading them. So in some ways, they do have to open (laughs) up. They have to open up for me. But I think breaking down those walls, letting them know that it's okay to be questioning, it's okay to be doubtful, and then let's seek these answers together. So not just like, oh, you're wrong, and here's why. But let's look for this answer, or let's let's. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know the answer, so let's find it out together. And I know that it's not all up to me. And that's one of the hardest things is is realizing that I. I am representing something greater than myself, the church and the faith, and I know that the Holy Spirit walks through me and things. So even if I can't connect with the kid or even if I can't give some breakthrough, then I know that that God's work is not done yet.
1: Right? And we're in it for the long game mm-hmm. to really help them to be to love them to be mm-hmm. present even in their in their questions, which can be beautiful. By the way, there's a great quote by a soon to be canonized John Henry Newman. Mm. And his phrase is a thousand questions doesn't equal one doubt. Mm thousand questions doesn't yeah. equal one doubt. Like, we should ask questions. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say, like, why is this? This doesn't make sense to me. Another thing to say, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. You know, that assumes you've really grappled with it for a long time yes. and talked to the right people. So yeah. that can give people hope. Yeah. What about uh, your sense of sometimes parents might say, uh, my, my children don't even want to talk about faith. I don't mm-hmm. even know if they're open. What, what, what would you say your experience would
2: be? I would say continue to live a good example, because I think that they're watching you. They watch everything. They notice everything. They notice <laughs> like really when I wear the true. same outfit two days in a or uh, two times in a semester. Like they notice things, mm-hmm. and so even if you're not verbally talking with them about the faith. You are by their your actions, your words, the way that you love them compassionately, the way that you may bring up God, even if they don't want to in normal conversations, to let them know that there's no right or wrong way, that maybe your way of seeing God is different than theirs, and to just keep demonstrating them the beauty, truth, and goodness of the faith and to listen to them. And I think that what's important is that letting them know that they're not just the church of the future. They're not just young people right now, but they have so many gifts to share. And so just to be patient and to have hope that even that you might please a seed that one day will grow further
1: right how many parents have I spoken with who said you know mom, I remember something you said a long time ago, and maybe they don't always remember yeah, those things, but yeah. they do.
2: And wasn't it like St. Saint, Saint Monica, I think, who is the mother of St. Augustine, yeah, who like prayed right. and prayed forever. That's and right. eventually, you know, St. Augustine is one of the best teachers of the church. So don't lose hope. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right. After 30 some years. Yes.
2: Yes. You know, After such a long him. time. So yeah, that's a great blessing. Mm-hmm.
1: What last words would you give, to, what, what give? What words would you give to young people? There's young people listening. What what words of encouragement would you give to them?
2: That God is there, even if you don't always see it, and that your journey is gonna look different than other people's, but that God has created you for such amazing and wonderful things, and that He is calling you to live that out. And, and you might not discover it right now. I know that we're humans that like to know things. We like to know the future. So just be patient and, and be a reflection of God in whatever way possible, and to use the gifts that He has given you and to, to make a difference in the world through that.
1: Yeah, wonderful. What a great blessing to have Megan Doyle here. And blessings on your new year at John Carroll and and teaching there. What a great, great blessing. So we are blessed to have you. And thanksgiving for all our listeners this morning. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Baltimore. May God bless you.
4: Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org.